I'm André Villas-Boas, listening to Echoes of Glory. And don't forget, whatever happens, the future is bright, future is lily white. Come on, your Spurs. Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, season 11, episode 22. I'm Jack. I'm Chris. I'm ASD. Happy Valentine's Day to both of you. Isn't it nice to be spending Valentine's Day All about the love today, unless you're a Spurs fan, because there's not a lot to love there at the minute. (laughs) Um, We've we've had a a week that's brought us crashing back down to earth, haven't we, after the uh, FA Cup game against Brighton. So let's go straight into it with Southampton, um, which was Wednesday night. Feels like an eternity ago already. Um, full-time Spurs 2, Southampton 3. What a crazy game. Honestly, it, like there was so much action packed into that 90 minutes. Firstly, it was a brilliant match. Obviously, the result isn't, but it was a brilliant game. It was super exciting. It was end-to-end. It was, honestly, it was like a basketball game at times in the second half where it felt like every attack was going to lead to a goal. But really disappointing result. Um, ASD, why don't I start with you this week on, on games? Like, What did you make of it? What were your overall thoughts from Southampton? Yeah, we didn't we didn't deserve anything really out of that game, did we? There was a lot there, but I don't know. It just they they were just better than us, weren't they? Across the field, I tell, tell you what I noticed. Uh, the note I took was that I just don't feel we're good enough if any team wants to press us. I back us on any team if we're very if they come at us and then we play on the break. I'd back us, but I just because we've got so little in the middle, really. Any team that presses us means we can't hold the ball. We've got a team of players who could, well, who should be able to stop, and that's mainly the three in front of the defence. And then we've got some attackers, and there's nothing in the middle. And so any team that lets us have the ball, we don't know what to do with it. And I, th- I think we just paid for it against against Southampton. You just it, the goals were preventable. Both of the I can't believe how similar those two goals. They were the Ericsson to Delhi goals for Southampton. They'll remember them forever just because of how poor we were. I just it must be heartbreaking for Conte because he can't want us to do that. Uh, so I, it was just disapp- disappointing. There was a bit of me which was hoping, you know, we can do this, we can put it around, but it just it never happened. It was it was disappointing. And I I I'd say we've I don't know how many times I said it. I don't know why we haven't gone for Ward Prowse. I know I just it just it just seems like a Spurs player to have. I I I don't know. He's an incredible <sighs> footballer. Like genuinely, he is so talented. That obviously you know what he brings from a dead ball scenarios, free kicks and corners, but his overall distribution across 90 minutes from in his own half and then opposition half is incredible. And it's like everyone was saying, oh, they scored, you know, two goals that were exactly the same. But the ability from Wal Prowse to be able to put the same ball in with, you know, two, three minutes apart is remarkable. But clearly teams have had to look at us and that little pocket of space between your wing back and your left or right side is centre half. Everyone is just exploiting that area at the moment and we're get, just getting absolutely slaughtered by bang average team. And let's be honest, like we did the pod last week. I was saying Southampton and Wolves, if you want to be doing well in the league, two home games, you've got to be winning those types of matches. I didn't for the life of me envisage would, that we'd have two defeats. Honestly, I thought we might draw one and we'll probably win one and we'll four points. That'll be all right. But to lose both of them is really tough. But I did think that Southampton were excellent. Like they were from minute one all the way through the game. They should have probably, if we're, if we're being honest, been three or four one up at half time. They missed a, an absolute handful of chances. Um, we just couldn't live with them. And your point, ASD, about when teams press us, we don't know what to do. And it's like we're, we're a side that as soon as we get put under any kind of defensive pressure, we just completely fall apart. 
unless Eric dies in the team, which is maybe Chris something that you want to uh, discuss it's because there's enough, a bit of stuff. Yeah. Well, we were just talking about the space between the wing back and the centre half. I think you are missing you are missing him organising the defence for starters. Funnily enough, I thought something different at the, at the start of that Southampton game. I thought this is the game we're good at. We're good at a game where they come at they play football and they don't sit back. Because if they sit back, like we don't know what to do, right? Everyone's behind the ball, and so you know. And at two one, I genuinely didn't think we'd lose that game because I thought we could we we can play this game of football, you know. And when that last one didn't go in, I was so gutted. Mm-hmm. But I took um because Theo couldn't come because obviously it was a school night, so I took my friend Tom, who's a Fulham fan. He loved it. Because it was his first time in the stadium, he had a sort of, like you say, it was a great game of football for the for neutral, and there were like VAR controversies and some nice play and all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, so I thought that game was one that we would win. Um, but actually, you know, what what I saw from Southampton is what I think we want, we wish we were, but Champions League style of that. So, like a a top four version of Southampton is what we wish we were, mm-hmm. and it's kind of what we think we are, but we're not anymore. Right. And how heartbreaking was um, the Bergwijn equaliser? I thought we've got out of it. You know, we've nicked yeah. a point here, and then it's like as soon as you hear it's going to VAR, you think, oh, you know, it's just. I mean, it was well offside, but I just thought he's got us out of trouble again. You know, the injury time specialist. Yeah. But it wasn't to be. Um, I just think we really struggled in every aspect of the game. Interestingly, I'm not a fan. I've not been a fan of Romero sort of playing centrally in that back three because I think he is so good at being a front foot defender and nicking the ball in front of the striker and sort of actually stepping into midfield and winning the ball back. And him playing in the centre, obviously, you're going to be the deepest man. I just thought it really took away his best attributes. You don't want San. Conza's probably looked at it and thought, well, if I don't play Romero in the middle, I have to play Sanchez in the middle. And that is just an absolute car crash, isn't it? Like, the fact that he has to play Sanchez all together at the minute is, you know, a, a whole separate hey, conversation. But And, and Davis. Really they, I'm, you know, I don't think Davis is. I, oh, I just, man. I never, that's I know, something I never thought I'd hear. I know. I just, I, I was looking at it and going, Romero is the only defender I'd play. Reggie, Reggie can survive. He's got a pass for the minute. But. How the rest of them, it just worries me. And you have a look at City, you have a look at Chelsea, and you go, they can play their best players and then go and buy the best players. That's City and Liverpool. And I know we don't have the budgets, but if if that's the sort of level we're aspiring to be, Levy and Enoch, then they can go out and buy their best players. They sell the ones that aren't good enough and they're constantly buying their best players. We have let our best players go. We've let them get too old. Imagine if we just had, if our defence was peaking. Imagine you had like Romero... Supian and Alderweireld with Walker and Rose, like that caliber of player in the back five. That's what the top four teams are doing. They're just buying those players. They've got that team. They've got the system. So as soon as one starts to age, they bring another one in. But they've already started bedding that player in, which is what we should have been doing with Rodon or a player like Rodon. But right now we've got Sanchez, who isn't good enough, full of mistakes, and is in the wrong place. We've got Davis, who's just an older. 7 out of 10 player every time and makes mistakes but he's also given bad balls by Hugo but we'll ignore that and we've got Romero who is the future of our team so what's going on there so no defence poor midfield and then a striker who doesn't want to be there and someone said to me today Owen said 
imagine your best player, the captain, the player that is one of our own, doesn't want to be at the club because he doesn't think the squad is good enough or the club is good enough to win trophies. Imagine how disheartening that would be. There's problems all over the pitch. And my worry, my worry is not Conte leaving. I do have a little bit of a worry with Conte. Is is he very rigid in his formation like is he too rigid with a formation like because he has a way of playing and he wants other players to play around him but players who play, uh, managers who manage like that become dinosaurs very very quickly as soon as a team works you as soon as a team works you out then you're gone we saw that with Mourinho Mourinho hasn't evolved his style but Guardiola evolves his style Klopp evolves his style Ferguson was the king of it but then also how long is this painful rebuild going to take because he's saying it's a long-term painful rebuild and I know he's only been here since November but he's only got an 18-month contract so what what's going on what, what's the long-term plan is he going to be here for what, the summer what, we have to, what I think what we have to remember as well is it hasn't if we're criticizing the defense and the back line which has been a major problem for a long time at defense if you just look at it you know and I'll come on to the Wolves game a bit now a back five was Doherty on the right Sessegnon on the left Davis Romero and Sanchez like just on paper, those that is a really, really poor defence. I don't even think it's an average defence. So I do mm-hmm. think we have to take that into account. That from a defensive point of view, we haven't yet made any additional. Like January, we didn't bring anybody in defensively. We won't go down the route to talk about that because we we you know, we're level-headed. We understand that January is a tough window, but that is an area that they absolutely have to strengthen because until we fix that. You can have all the midfielders, all the strikers and all that in the world. If you're letting in three to Southampton and two to Wolves, especially when they didn't have to do a great deal to score the goals, like you've got absolutely no choice. At the minute, if we're having to score two goals in a game to even draw it, like, and you're just putting yourself under almighty pressure. So they absolutely have to address that that defence. I don't think it's helping that at the minute the team's changing every single week. But obviously, he's still searching for what is who he can trust, what's his best midfield. You know, he's got injuries. It's like I, I was really surprised to see Sessegnon come in against Wolves. I just didn't expect that. He obviously gets pulled after 25 minutes. So it's like that can't have his confidence any good. It's just there's a lot of frustration. I don't think it was his fault, by the way, that. No, no. It was tough, wasn't it? Because I, yeah. I, I, was, I was there for the Wolves game. Um, I was with my dad and we watch it and you see Kulusevski like warming up, ready to come on and there's people around us sort of saying, oh, you've got to take more off. And you stand there thinking, he's going to do something drastic. You don't make a change after 25 minutes of a game unless you're going to change a whole formation. It was like, yeah. I didn't want to get into an argument with some of these people. But yeah. it was like, so you look at it logically and you think, well, it's, it could only be Davis or Sessegnon that comes off here because the, the shape's going to change. I personally was standing next to my dad saying, I'd take Davis off. You're 2-0 down. I'd probably rather see Sessegnon at left back because at least he will bomb on. He might make a mistake and cost you enough goal, but... He's probably got a greater opportunity of creating something. But anyway, it's a, it's a minor thing. But I think it's said a lot that, you know, 25 minutes into a game, a manager will just absolutely tear up all of his preparation he's been doing, you know, for the last couple of days. It's just like it's all gone out the window. You don't see it very often. And it did remind me of Jose did it, didn't he, in one of his early games in the Champions League when we were 2-0 down. He took Eric Dyer off and we ended up coming back to win. But unfortunately, you know, that wasn't to happen. But Chris, what did you make of, uh, of Wolves then? What were your thoughts of that? Well, I'm going to let me start with 
Mm, which, what can I, there's, I've got so many things that I, I want to say. Like, they're okay. So, to ISD just said that about, talks about the painful rebuild. And what did Conte said? He said, our fans have to understand that maybe you need to have patience to wait to rebuild again the situation they were used to in the past. And when I saw that, I thought he's exactly right. We've been in malaise for years. We might have an excellent manager or think we have an excellent manager, but we've got to give him time. And I don't think it's just about investment. We've said this before. It's about the right investment. I'm not convinced that Paratici is the answer, but I guess we'll see. And we complain as fans about the short termism and managerial turnaround. Yet we want to see results in days. You know, and I, I booing at half time. To what end? To what end do you boo at half time? You know, it's a new manager. The recruitment's been poor. It's going to take time. I think we all need to take a collective breath because, you know what? The players look scared. They look scared to be on the ball because they thought, if I give this ball away, I'm going to get absolute pelters. You know, and you've got like, you've got human beings trying to do, like, think about yourself when you're doing any work you're doing. And I know they're paid well and all the rest of it. It doesn't make them less human. Think about any work you're doing. If someone like went, oh, every time they've got an email from you, right? And then just started like yelling about it. Most people do, Chris, with me. That's of <laughs> them, it's true. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It's like that's going to affect your work and your performance. And they look scared to be on the ball. They could feel the tension. You know, we talked before before we came on air about those four or five players on the edge of the box, like not wanting to go in to defend. Why? Because they're scared. Now, that's not an excuse because they are professionals and they need to, like, do their jobs. But, of course, the players need to be better. But so do we as fans. We've got a job to do as well. And our job, while the game is playing, is to provide them with the support that's going to give them that extra bit. So, you know, as a Spurs fan, and maybe this is stupid, maybe it's mawkish, whatever, my job is to be there, whether we're 12th, 2nd, or 20th and to do my job to try and make it better and so I feel really strongly about that interesting conversation though we had when Sessegnon came off I stood up gave him a clap and said it wasn't his fault Gina who sits next to me was like I'm not going to stand up I don't feel any affinity to these players because I have felt an affinity to the players you know like if I think about whether it was Jan or Toby or Dembele, you know, that team, that Pochettino, that 16-17 team, you felt an affinity. You felt like we were all one entity trying to do something together. And she was saying, I don't feel like that. And then Pat Patrick, who's, who actually he sits next to me, Gina sits next to him, he was just like, that's the thing. Is like Our recruitment has been second rate, maybe even third rate. And so how do you, and you've just said it yourself there, Jack, when you went through who that back five was, probably with Romero aside, those aren't players that are going to get you, you know, that are Champions League level players. And we've recruited and spent a lot of money, actually. You know, Sanchez cost a lot of money, you know. And so that's what you've got. So you've got a combination of frustration at the the malaise, you know, whether that's down to those two transfer, you know, Chelsea had a transfer embargo as a punishment for not signing anyone for two transfer windows. We did it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> right? So you've got this, you've got a, a you've got a malaise, you've got a frustrated fan base, you've got players that aren't good enough, 
You've got a recruitment strategy that doesn't look like a recruitment strategy. You just said that there, ASD. You've got players who you've got in positions and you know who you're who you've got to back them up when they come next and all the rest of it. I haven't said when's the last time you saw that at our place? Where you actually knew who was coming next and what you know, it feels like it's part of the same weird cycle of like we get frustrated telling, you know, the the the, the Enoch that they're not spending enough money. So they go and spend fifty million on La Celso. To what end? When we bought La Celso, what did we think we were gonna it wasn't we weren't re- replacing Christian Eriksen and if we thought we were, we got it wrong. Etc. 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 So yeah. I think my frustrations are kind of existential, I suppose, in all of this, because I'm I'm not into booing the team, and I think you know we've said it before here actually, like I'm kind of resigned to us not being very good for a while, and I'm sort of all right with that as long as I can see positive progress, and my concern is is that Conte's going to get fed up with it. And then we're going to be back in the same position. Yeah. And actually, we'll end up, we're going to end up with Ralph Hasenhutl yeah. after what happened on Saturday last week. Yeah. Uh, well, what, you, what you said there, Chris, uh, I think a lot of people agree, agree with you in terms of, I don't know anybody that is connected with these players or has an affinity with the club at the moment, really. Yeah. Um, but it does remind me of, of when Potts first took over it felt quite hopeless at that point as well. Like, yeah. ASD, do you remember the game when me and you, we, we lost home to Stoke and I think we lost to West Brom and we're just mm. like, this is a group of players that were just like, ugh, like no one really sort of likes them. They don't really want to be there. And it, it did feel quite hopeless for probably the first six months of when he took over. But slowly but surely, you began to sort of see those signs. And you? I think that what's tough at the minute is we're not at the point where we're seeing the signs yet. And there's not sort of that glimmer of, hope there's not a academy player that's broken through there's not a new signing that sort of so far has like really ignited the fans or sort of give us anything to really sort of you know get excited about and I think all you can do is just sort of hold on to the hope that we've still got two of the best attacking players about um and that at some point something hopefully has to click be that with the teams be that with you know, the way we're approaching games, but with recruitment, you just have to hope, don't you, that at some point something will change and you will get out of this cycle. But I get it at the moment. It's very difficult. There's also, for me, like, quite a lot of... I mean, people are frustrated in general, right? Football aside, people have been frustrated for the last two years. It's like, we completely get it. And I think a lot of time people go to football and it's like, that's their outlet. And for them at the minute, it's not being, it's not an outlet for going to watch Spurs. It's like it's an extra frustration for you. So I think all of the combination of all of these things, it's it's just tough to watch. But I think the the most frustrating thing for me is like I, I can go to a game and if we get played off the park, I've got no problems with losing. But the games that we lose now, I just think like it's just rubbish defending or it's soft and it's like I just I feel like my Saturday league team. Could give could cause Spurs problems. You know what I mean? All you sort of got to do is run run around a little bit and put the ball in the box, and it, it just seems like you know we can't deal with it. So the frustrating thing for me is that we're very very easy to play against. And if you think back to the best Spurs teams that we've seen over the last 15, 20 years, they've all been built with a decent foundation. We've never been an absolute rock solid side, but we've always had a fairly good defence. You know, like two or three players that you like, you can count on them. And I look at that defence at the minute and I think, you know, 
when you're down there and you're struggling in games, how many of you actually, in the whole team, how many of you can dig in and battle and get through a tough 20-minute spell? And we just can't. I think teams teams will have a 20-minute spell and they'll score a couple of goals and the game's away from us. Whereas great sides, obviously, can, can get through those spells, no problem. But even the good teams can just sort of hang on in there in games. But I just think now we just have those bad spells and bang, the game's completely got away from us. And then you're asking for a miracle to get back in the game. And we've got a brilliant striker. We've got a brilliant winger in Sun. But, you know, when teams do then sit in when they've got a lead, we struggle to create consistently. You know, we're brilliant on the counter-attacks. Kane can do moments of absolute magic that, you know, you can't train. But we haven't been particularly good for a few seasons now. It's been been able to break down an opposition when they sit in. And that's just the pattern of games now. You know, we start quite well. We get a goal. We switch off for 20 minutes with 2-1 down and then you're chasing it and we can't seem to actually get our way back into the game. So there's a lot of frustrations watching it at the minute. I just think... But also, like, it, the other thing that frustrates me is that it takes Harry Kane to spray a pass to create something and then sadly he's not on the end of it because, you know, he's not Billy Wiz. Sorry. Um, I thought we had another really good game at the weekend against Wolves. Like, I, I, I've watched him the last six weeks and I think he's been playing really, really well. He's just playing in a pretty poor team. Yeah. And also, like, he's having to create chances and he can't create chances for himself. It's like he's the one with the killer pass. Nobody else, by the looks of things. Yeah, yeah. Oh. We need two of them. I, I, I've been thinking just about that, that point about booing, Chris, because I've never booed. I've never booed. I'd never boo the players. But if I was in the boardroom... I would definitely boo because you you look at it and you go well Joe Lewis I know he's not like Spurs is just a thing he owns he's he, he's worth 4.3 billion pounds in the year of the pandemic so from 2020 to 2021 he increased his wealth by 338 million while we were suffering you know and while ticket prices went up ticket prices have gone up has the quality gone up no it's gone down and I, you can feel fans' frustration, and it, it, like, they've got. You can vote with your feet, but some people are tied to this club. You can't, because Joe Lewis, Levy, they're all just custodians of the club. Whereas the fans are what will be there forever, and you, it's not easy for a fan just to give up their ticket, give up their space, because it'll go. They, they'd much rather have fewer season tickets and fill the ground out with tourists. They'd love that because they'd make more money. But they need this loyal heart of Spurs fans. And so that I, there, there's a bit of me which thinks if they need to boo, then let them boo. But yeah, it's not the players. And maybe the players need to realise that, that it's not about them. It's not about much money. It's not If they're not trying, maybe it is about them. But it's not about that. It's just about the situation we're in, where the lack of investment and the, the professionalism in running a football club. Yeah, we've got great finances and things like that. But the actual success of the football, which is what the fans go to see, is is pretty dire at the minute it's just under invested in or i think that's a fair point i think the problem is is that it manifests into something that creates fearful players that's the problem right this is true and that's the thing is it manifests into making the the thing that we care about worse yeah yeah 100 100 (laughs) percent uh Basson, as well, is the last time we had a player that we thought would be coming into the next right because he was brought to replace Ledley. So that answers that. On a positive note, Ben Kerr looks like a great signing. Looks very positive. Looks great feet. Looks like he can go forward. So I'm looking forward to seeing him stuck in front of Hoiberg and Skip. Isn't he just Chadley in disguise? 
it's not a bad thing. <laughs> I'd love Chudley. <laughs> Maybe. I love Chudley. Um, I also thought that um, Kulazewski did well against Wolves when he came on. Like, he played in the 10, which was, I mean, I thought, I don't know much about him. I thought we were buying a winger, if I'm totally honest. But he played yeah. central and he looked really tidy in there, if I'm totally honest. He's, he's got the ability to take the ball on the half turn. He was playing nice through balls. He... He's not the quickest, but he had quite a lot of energy about him. Like he was getting mm. about the pitch and trying. At least there was a bit of effort from him. So that's an encouraging sign. Um, oh, an important fact there. I don't know if you saw Alistair Gold said that he doesn't, that actually he likes Deki and not Kulu. Because a lot of us started using Kulu, but apparently he likes Deki. Well, so, when, he, when he scores his first goal, yeah. he can start telling me what to call him. <laughs> <laughs> but the the... Other more obvious good news is that we do have an easy game next week, so we should bounce back out of this, you know, three yeah, yeah. because we've only got City away, so yeah, yeah. it should be quite a straightforward game for us to, you know, get three points. I dread to think what they are going to do to us. The only, the only hope that you have is that they just are completely unprofessional this week and they don't prepare properly and they have a nightmare in the Champions League or something like that, and they're just like, oh, Spurs are shocking we'll roll them over easily and then we might only lose by one or two. Going to be tough though at the weekend. I think it's going to be a draw. It's the sort of shit we do, right? It's go there and play really well. We can't beat Southampton and Wolves, but we'll get a draw or have a really good game against City away. It really is. Or it'll be something like we play really well for 75 minutes, it's 1-1 and then there's a penalty and we end up beat or something like that, wouldn't it? But um, look, City away... Nothing to lose this week, to be fair. No expectation going into that game. You know that they're the best in the country by a long, long way. Um, and then Wednesday night, um, which we'll obviously preview that next week. Then, then we go to Burnley, which is one of our games at hand. So, you know, that is going to be a big game for us, a big game for them as well. Um, just frustrating, isn't it? Because the teams around us have also been dropping points. And it's like, you, you know, you just feel that. I mean, I, I think this week really the nail in the coffin for fourth not that i think we should oh no, it's not but do you not think no, it's, I, no. I think if we, really we win our games in hand we still get fourth not at all you think uh, I, mm. I think that if we just miss out we'll look back on those games as the games because i just look we've still got to play west ham liverpool so we've got city coming up united arsenal it's like you're going to lose if we're going to lose probably half of those games because uh, that's what that's yeah. where we are Let's see. Well, that's what we do anyway. I remember even in our best seasons, we'd lose to Wolves, West Ham, West Brom. Every all the teams beginning with W, yeah, we'd lose against at home. Almost a Wickham. The um, <laughs> <laughs> but the but imagine we get top four and then we go into a group with Real Madrid, AC don't, Milan, don't. and <laughs> you know what? Bayern Munich can get beat eight two. Because, you know, I we're not ready for the Champions League. And if we get, we're not ready, even the Europa League will be tough. When have we ever done one in the Europa League? <laughs> we struggled in the Conference League this year. We got knocked you know out. I mean? and you no, know, we didn't. We got disqualified. And we, we were on the edge. Yeah, but at least know, we didn't get knocked out. We all know that we're going to end up finishing seventh and we're going to be back in the Europa Conference League next year. And we're going to be dreaming of the glory days and looking back at the glory days of the Europa League. Do you know what I mean? It's like we thought the Europa League was bad. Why aren't you playing that Conference League again? And we all know that's where we're going to end up being next season. In other incredible news, the Spurs women's team are in a Champions League place, having won 
2-0 yesterday. And, you know, if you saw Rianne Skinner on the women's football show last night, she was just saying their, um, what their plan was was to finish higher up than last year. That was the ambition for this season. So I'm not sure we will end up in the Champions League, but we'll be there and thereabouts. And I think that's brilliant, you know, and it was a good performance yesterday. I mean, Birmingham, you know, they're definitely, they're, they're nailed on to be relegated. Um, but they've only got four points, but three of them came against Arsenal, who are at the top of the league. So, you know, there's weird stuff happening in the women's game too. And another goal from Ash Neville yesterday. She could have had a hat-trick. Yeah. Um, you know, she hit, the, back, she hit yeah. the post. Yeah, she hit the crossbar. She just knocked one wide, um, you know, and uh, there's a good... Um, uh, I think the Extra Inch podcast did like a whole analysis, like a wheel of uh, of her uh, performance. But I think she's great. And I'm, I'm just sad that um, I think her age is probably just the thing that limits her from getting an England call up, which I think is a real shame because, you know, as a as a backup to Lucy, Lucy Bronze, I think she's brilliant because she's got. I'll tell you what, that's why we love her at Spurs, because she's a proper Spurs player, fullback or not. She dribbles. She's not afraid, afraid to take players on. She scores goals. She like loves a tackle. She's decent in the air. I mean, like she's a proper player. And we took a chance on her when nobody else did when she was part time and she was a teaching assistant and all the rest of it. So she loves us too. Yes, Ash. Ash for England. And also, Chris, you you know, the fact that there's even conversations about a Champions League space in itself. Do you know what I mean? Is absolutely incredible. Amazing. We're two points clear of United and we've got the same. We've played the same number of games as them. Mm. And we're four points clear of City with the same number of games, and they are full of internationals. Don't know yeah. what's going on over there. Um, they've had a couple of injuries, but, I mean, so have we. Like, one of our best attacking players got a did a quick kick ground, did a cruciate, and we've been without her all season. So, it's brilliant. They're doing some really good things. Um, as I always say, I always think Helen richardson Walsh has got something to do with it, being their performance psychologist. We must get Helen on to come and talk to us, actually. Yeah, definitely should. I'll find, let's find it. I'll find a date to do that. Helen, I'm coming for you. It, um, it also feels, Chris, that like that the women's team has got more of a an identity, a togetherness and a direction, you know, and it's like if we are comparing it to, to the men's side, which is just a team of individuals. And it does sort of show, doesn't it? And I think Ron, there's some very talented players in, in the Spurs women's team, but having that way of playing and it's like when someone gets injured the next player comes in and they know exactly what they've got to do they know their job and it's like almost like a well-oiled machine well, you should hear um, helen talking about it actually and she's just did the proudly wants to do a pod a monthly podcast and helen's just been on it talking about you know the work that they did as as um in the olympics in terms of what their values were and you know she tells you know she she will say this in a much more eloquent way than i will that they built that team around the fact that yes of course they wanted to win games but they knew that they had something bigger than just winning winning games or winning you know like they wanted to inspire a generation and they want you know they had you know and they're big ambitions but when you're going for an olympic gold you can do that and that meant that every single person in that squad whether they were on the pitch or off the pitch knew what their job was and knew what their responsibility was and and it gave them a sense as you say jack of togetherness and identity that, you know, gave them the the extra thing they needed. And we've talked, you know, we talk about this a lot when we talk about that Pochettino team. You know, we know they had an identity and values and a culture. You know, I'm sure I told you the day all I went great, to... You know, all the great teams across any 
sport in history they've all got that at the core haven't they obviously you do have to have the you know the technical skills but there's not been a successful side that hasn't got that togetherness um and just feel like it's a massive trick that we're missing at the minute not having that but it's probably quite a difficult thing to inject back into a group especially a group that have been together for so long as well it's sort of a unique situation isn't it um cool uh any other points on sort of wolves southampton asd you got you looking a bit confused or disturbed or <laughs> maybe that's just my, listening to me and chris yeah. my resting <laughs> confused face now the um the the y words thing the y words phone thing did you see that they came out i thought that was really good what surprises me about that um and it's the same with the chelsea Renboy thing is how many people didn't know that these were offensive and that that really surprised me and which in some ways it feels more positive that people were doing it in a positive way but now we understand it's time to cut it out uh it 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 saddens me not in a way that like obviously it needs to go but it saddens me that there's we we don't have many songs anymore like we used to have a song for every player but which song's got a player which which player's got a song kane's got one but from ages ago always take the is but there, there isn't any and a good and a funny one as well like yeah. Are you, are you, yeah so it's the without the all the y word stuff which it's just becoming a bit banal so we need to get our game up but i think that's part of the stadium thing where like a lot of the songs would come from groups of people in small places that sat together it was, it was quite tribal but now it's like big it's the cop end or it's the it's Nick, you know, it's it's not. It doesn't have any groups of people who are all sort of there for a laugh and singing songs, which they would have sang in the pub together. It's it's so everyone's so dispersed now that I think that we're just seeing the impact of that. And we're not winning stuff. People are much more likely to write songs when they're winning stuff. Yeah. Hey ho! Some guy on Twitter who keeps writing songs and keeps um, sending it to the Bradley Whites and saying, "Can you amplify this?" But I'm not convinced. <laughs> I'm not convinced by it yet. But on the Y word, I think that the important thing, you know, it's like I think they've done well to just it didn't go on any social. They put it on the website. They sent an email out. They've got all of those resources, which I think is really great to publish all of that stuff, so people can really get into it if they want to. And I think, mm. you know, we don't use it as a slur. Um, and it was, and it has been, I suppose, how we've addressed anti-semitism of course however once it becomes something that many fans don't know the history of and it's used out of context it is time to move on so you know i really hope that people do sort of read and reflect on that stuff you know and 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 we move on together because the theme for me is i remember being at a game once and seeing a little kid like jumping up and down shouting it right a little like a little kid like a six or seven year old and I think about that kid who hears it at Spurs and then uses it in the playground and what that must feel like to a Jewish classmate, mm. you know, who might have received it as a slur. And then that kid, you know, gets into trouble, become whatever, whatever, and doesn't know it. So, you know, and I think that's what's important is that we kind of understand where it's come from, know that we don't we know we don't use it, um, you know, at as a slur i think the thing for me is i think the thing that would work is what you want to do is you want to like properly like throw the book at a couple of chelsea fans for anti-semitism Badil, i would love to see Badil get hammered for it i I can't stand how it just doesn't make sense for me that he goes after spurs fans for um 
for the Y word, and then but he's quite happy for his own fans to hear the making sounds of Auschwitz and singing songs about foreskin. It's so two faced. I, I can't stand him for that. And let's not forget him. Never mind. I've got to calm down. But the um, I, I got in trouble for this. So um, at work, the, we've got a few people, a few Jewish people in our leadership, or my old job, but um, uh, I was followed by a couple of them on Twitter. And Ben Davis did an amazing um, clearance off the line for Wales in 2016. And so I tweeted the Y word out of ignorance because I was an idiot. Didn't I didn't I don't think I did it since. And one of them retweeted me now she is one of the interviewers on the apprentice you know in the last episode and so to everyone and she just with the double question mark i mean i what you know and then i saw her the next day and i was like what or the day after i was like what, yeah, what's going on and she was like oh, i just find it very offensive and she shouted out to someone else who is a, 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 one of the Jewish leaders, a leader who is Jewish there, um, who is a football fan. He's like, oh, yeah, we don't really care about it. But that's where I really, because I've always thought about it, it was just accepted. It was just a fine thing. It was a thing that showed our, our we were pals and we, we were using it in, in a positive way. But that was the thing I learned that actually still is very, it is a very offensive word. And I, that's the day I stopped using it. So it, it, it took someone to be offended by it uh, yeah. for me to learn. And so I hope people don't make that mistake. Yeah, and I think actually that's why those resources are actually quite good because then you can actually read what the impact is as well, mm. you yeah, know. Yeah. So all of these things, that most of the time, isn't it? It comes back to that education thing and explain to people. But actually, like this is why we're not going to be doing that anymore. Um, you just hope that there's there's more open-minded fans that are willing to sort of listen and, and educate themselves in this space than than there aren't. So see, there's also part of it which is it, you can ignore the why don't ignore the why word bit for the, all the you know the wrong reasons but there's a part of it which is just retaining the old culture the old yeah. uh, the yeah. 90s football as well and people just don't want to let that go yeah. and I I totally understand why this was an escape for you escape for the family but that that those times have gone and it's just it's a far more it's a modern generation of football it's more modern uh, footballers more modern generation of fans now and we're not defending ourselves against those people who are using it as a weapon against us and the police are doing a good job on cutting it out anyway so time to grow up and move on i think i thought the point that they made in the in the email about cultural appropriation was interesting because i hadn't thought about that but yeah if you're a washington football fan you might not have liked the fact that they stopped calling themselves the redskins but it was the right thing to do from the outside right cultural appropriation is a really interesting one isn't it yeah because how much of culture is just pure anyway and most it's all made up of some appropriation of some sort you know so it's a but the washington one inexcusable (laughs) i mean it is right yeah yeah well the extra chiefs need to change that or have they now let me i thought i think they changed it didn't they change it no not not google do we have a maldini or we have Martini versus Rodon. Yes, we do. We and do. what I was, yeah. <laughs> and do you know what I was thinking? I was thinking, when was the last time Spurs were really, really good? Well, we finished second once. Can you believe that? We finished second in the league in 2016-17, so five years ago. And so what I did was I went through them. And what I wanted to do was find a site that had players' ratings uh, to make my life easy. So I could just choose two that were close. But what I did, and then but what I decided to do was do them alphabetically, just to cut the numbers down slightly. So I've got two A's versus each other, 
uh, and so on the bees was uh, and they did have ratings what i realized was they had the rating it was the list from 1617 but this year's ratings so danny rose was absolutely battering wayne rooney <laughs> on the, you know stuff like this so i've had to danny rose over wayne rooney <laughs> if danny rose was at not some uh, if you're a spur you can't be a spurs fan if at some point danny rose wasn't your favorite player at one period he was yeah. just he was the guy I've still got so much time for him. It's a shame how his career's ended up going. Yeah. Well, I've... yeah, never mind. Um, he's still hanging on for that to that move from Milan, isn't he? <laughs> it's, it's like he's he's been at the top of a, a, the most perfect, the the most wanted, uh, the most popular sport in the world. He's earned loads of money from it. He's had a great career. You know, there's many other players now. Who, who and now ASD is hit rock bottom because I'm coaching his kid on a Saturday morning. So, okay, you know, bad. that's how bad it's got. When are you going to get him on the pod, Jack? Um, I don't want to say he's unapproachable, but he <laughs> keeps his head down, shall we say, <laughs> when he's there watching. Apart from Mate. the first week when he turned up in his Spurs tracksuit. But I think that was more of a dig at Watford because he'd had that massive fallout, hadn't he? We ran the area. I want to go and have a word with him about his kid and say, oh, and by the way, come and talk to us. Just be like, can somebody at home help him out during the week? Because, you know, it's not it's not really working. Now, his kid is actually a really good player, to be fair. Right. Maldini versus Rodon. Enough of that. So the <laughs> rules for anyone who doesn't I can't know. tell you how many people I keep telling about this game. Like everyone I, I find, hear, I tell I want to know if there's any rules this week. And my rules, favourite bit are the I still rules. Can't get over, I still can't get over Lampard over Gerrard. I've been telling everybody. Smart people have been Giles, just shout out to Giles who messaged me to say that he completely agrees with me. So I think I should get like a post, uh, a post, post point for that. I didn't know Giles being a bit snaky there, really, isn't he? Yeah, he won't have him back. (laughs) You're very welcome, Giles. I'll have you. We'll have you back. (laughs) Sure, we will. Uh, The rules are: I have a list of players. I'm going to give Chris and Jack two players. They just have to tell me which one they're having. Uh, it's not necessarily the best. It's just the one that they have it. It usually is the best, but it, the final answer lies with me, and they get a point if they agree with me. Uh, <laughs> that, that is the world's most, most subjective game. Bring it on. <laughs> I told you now, my wife. I told my wife, and she's like, "Oh God, you've just given them a quiz on how like you they can be. You're such a dick." <laughs> um, so the first one, and I'm going to Jack first, is. Alexander Arnold or Alderweireld? Oh, it has to be Toby. It has to be. Okay, Chris. They're different players. They're all different players, yeah. <laughs> I know, but like. That'd be a good quiz. Alderweireld or Alderweireld? <laughs> um. They still well, play in defence. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with Jack, but I feel like, no, I'm Alderweireld. I'm going Alexander-Arnold. And I'll tell you why. He's unbelievable. He's just he's just unbelievable. I've he never seen... He's a brilliant it. player, but I'm not going to pick him over a Spurs player. You, you, yeah. Uh, and remember, I've got the restriction of A's. So and then the same letters, so that 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 made it tougher. So uh, oh, okay, all right, got Charlie it. Charlie Austin or Marco Arnautovic? Jesus Christ, is it me? Arnautovic. I can't choose Charlie Austin. Why? Terrible. Well, I'm that outburst. Go, 
I'm going to go Charlie Austin for the Park Life outburst. See, I went Charlie Austin just yeah. because. I, do you remember when Arnautovic went to uh, West Ham and was trying to get moved to Real Madrid? Just so arrogant. And then went to China, didn't they? <laughs> went to China, uh, where Figgy is still tearing up. Oscar is still tearing up for Shanghai. He's still at... only about thirty as well, <laughs> wasn't he? Do you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> I love that. Um, uh, Jack Bellerin or Baines. It has to be Baines just for the sideburns. I think it has to be Baines for the fact that he sort of maintained that position and was actually like really consistently good for a number of years, Baines. I wish I could give you two points for having the right answer and the correct reasoning. But uh... <laughs> Was that directed at I mean, me? Was that me? You're very well, I would say you're very welcome to give out bonus points. It is your game after all. <laughs> don't, don't do what I want. Uh <laughs> Carrick or Coutinho? Ooh. And that is to you, Chris. Do you know what? I'm going to go Carrick. And I've got a good, not just because he played for Spurs, because I think the kind of work that Michael Carrick does in a football team is hugely underrated. Like, you absolutely, if we had Carrick in that midfield now, it would make an enormous amount of difference. Being able to hold that ball in midfield recycle it but also find the killer pass and just hold it on and just like keep everything ticking over I think Carrick is brilliant and I think Coutinho is a good player but he can drift in and out of games and if you're that good you don't get sold by Liverpool at the time that you at the time that he got sold um so yeah Carrick yeah I, I have to agree always a massive massive fan of Michael Carrick in England's and Man United's one of the most underrated players yeah. that there's been for a long, long time. Like yeah. incredible player, so Carrick every day. That is, it's the correct answer. It's, <laughs> like you were saying, uh, Jack, you've got three. Chris, you've got two because you're Charlie Austin. Um, yeah, yeah. bonus point. No, you didn't get bonus point. Uh, Andy Carroll or Tom Carroll? Jack. What type of question is that? Um, <laughs> There's loads of these, so just get I, used I to feel it. like I feel like I'm I have to go Tom Carroll really. I do like a big number nine to be fair, but Tom Carroll I actually thought he was gonna be a really good player for us, to be honest, when he was breaking through. Like that type of midfielder was like in fashion at the time and I was like, Oh maybe we've got someone he's got one of the greatest ever Premier League assists, Tom Carroll, you know, for the bail goal at West Ham in the last minute. What a pass. Um, so yeah, it has to be Tom Carroll. I mean, as much as I would I said, you know what? At the beginning, that first question, I would have picked Alexander Arnold because I just think he's an exceptional player, and actually he's got more versatility than Toby and all the rest of it. But I went for a Spurs player, and now I've got to try and diversify from Jack because otherwise, I, you know, it's like no guts, no glory. And as much as I think that Andy Carroll is like a big lump. Um, he has, however, scored several Premier League goals and had a much more prolific Premier League career than Tom Carroll. One of my favourite um, th- hashtags on Twitter was things to do with Andy Carroll. I don't know if you remember that one. It was brilliant. Um, but having said all of that, I think I have to go Andy Carroll because Tom hasn't played enough. I get I went with Tom Carroll because... Because Andy Carroll's just injured all the time, isn't he? And he's just a bit of a donkey. No one wants him. But Tom, Car- do you know Tom Carroll's in Ipswich right now? Is he? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, sorry, Chris. Not good enough. Uh, 
Courtois or Czech? Who's that, Chris? Czech. Jack. Best one of the best goalkeepers the Premier League's ever seen, sadly. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Like whenever people talk about all time Premier League sides, everyone automatically just goes Peter Schmeichel in goal. But Czech is a very, very, very close second. Like incredible goalie. Like that that domination of that Chelsea had for those few years, obviously he was at the heart of that. Wasn't there a season where they conceded something like twelve goals? Yeah. And it's just like how? Like uh, it's it's insane, uh, remarkable goalkeeper, and he came yeah. he came from what felt like nowhere as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Charlie Daniels or Scott Dan? Jack, it's me, isn't it? Charlie Daniels or Scott Dan? Um, I'm gonna go Charlie Daniels because he was capable of an absolute screamer. He got quite a few for Bournemouth as well later in his career. Um, and goals always look better when they're scored by somebody that's left-footed. I don't know why, yeah, do. but it just looks better when it's a left-footed player. So, Charlie Daniels. Yeah, I, I agree. As much as I want to disagree with Jack, I think I agree with him on this one because Scott Dan was just like an average, like a decent sort of MOR Premier League player. Yeah. But actually, Charlie Daniels occasionally could pull something out of the bag. And we're Spurs fans, we like that. Very good. Yep. 6-4. Uh, Tom Davis or Ben Davis? Chris. Ben Davis. I mean, I can't pick Tom Davis just for his fashion sense. I love his also, fashion sense. I love his fashion sense. No. I think, no. I think that, that makes him more of a winner. No, but aut- automatically, like, I can't pick him for that. Um, but I feel a bit, it feels a bit funny picking Ben Davis after the last two performances he's had. But uh, yeah, Ben Davis for me as well. Yes, that's the correct answer. Uh, Stuart Downing or Jermaine Defoe? Chris. Oh. Jermaine Defoe, hands down. I don't even know why you're asking the question. Yeah. Uh, Ericsson or Evra, Jack? That's a good one. Um, again, my gut just tells me, like, you have, have to pick Ericsson, you know? Again, if you were doing a Spurs all-time Premier League team, he walks into it. Like, he's mm-hmm. such an... Um, yeah, he's such an underrated player for us. I, I, I really do think that. Um, Evra was a brilliant left back, like, you know, super, super consistent. But Ericsson, he's a Spurs player, and he's just the kind of person that he just belongs at White Hart Lane. So, got to be Ericsson. Chris? 100% Ericsson, because I think, listen, Evra, as, as Jack said, Evra is a good player, but I think we haven't replaced him. And he's. You can't, can you, really? He did, he did some wonderful things on the football pitch. And also, I was reminded today. That um, it was only what was it four years ago, four, three, four years ago today. I was on my way back from Turin after a two-two draw where he pulled it back from a free kick. Yeah. Um, I've got a very shaky video of it. So yeah, Ericsson. Ericsson's um, the win. Ben conceded in like twenty games or something. Then Kane scored and Ericsson scored under the free kick. Uh, you're both wrong. Uh, Evra oh. won five Premier League titles with Man United. Won three League Cups. Won so. Champions League. What is uh, the rationale to any? What's what is the rationality to any of this? I can't believe you you've not picked Ericsson ASD. Every is up there in my maybe my all time Premier League eleven. Really? I just yeah, I think he's maybe not. Well, he's up there. I think he's brilliant. Um, who's next? Chris, I think it's Fabregas or Foden. As much as it pains me, Fabregas is a better player than Foden. 
if you think and particularly given what you've just said about how many things they've won and all the rest of it and also i think he had more in his locker he could score you know uh, sadly fabregas i'm not going to say any more nice things about him um i don't want to pick him either but i know that it's asd's favorite assist ever is fabregas oh, to andre scherler against burnley yeah. So, but yeah. that's also counterbalanced by he scored my least favourite goal against Spurs. Remember when we were at their place and they scored, and then before the replay had even finished, yeah. he was in the box just about to score because he just taken it and just run in a straight line through our uh, the heart of our defence. Uh, it's nine seven, so that was good. Uh, who's it, Jack, uh, Giroud or Gundogan? Um, I'm going to go Gundogan for this one again. I think he is a player that is massively underrated. Like he's a midfielder that can do everything. Because when City got him, he was like that deep line playmaker. And was it last season? Yeah. He scored about fifteen league goals. You know, De Bruyne was out, and it was like, cool, I'll just go and be the the creative player and and score bundles for you instead. Um, he's sensational. Like he really, really is one of the top midfielders about. Giroud's played for Arsenal and Chelsea, so it's tough to you know tough to pick him. But I. It's difficult. I feel like ASD might have gone Giroud, but I'm going to pick Gundogan. See. Chris? I don't care if ASD's gone Giroud. I'm not choosing him, Gundogan. Good. I went Gundogan as well. Um, off the back of... Uh, <laughs> my, still my favourite one is Bergkamp or Henderson. I've got Henderson or Hazard. Uh, Hazard, 100%. It's like how he wasn't a Spurs player, I'll never know. How we didn't snap him up, how we managed to lose him to Chelsea. He, was a perf- he would have been the perfect foil in that team. Um, he's a lovely player. I hate it that he was a Chelsea player, but 100% Hazard. Yeah. Um, Hazard's a much, much better player. I'm going Jordan Henderson. <gasps> I think. Henderson. For what I just, I love what Jordan Henderson is. Which like he knows he's not a fantastic technical player, but he knows that he can bring strengths to a team in other areas. You know, we, we're talking earlier that we're a side that we lack that sort of fight, that determination, that togetherness. He, yeah, completely, he completely defines that. You're wrong. Uh, Jack Ibrahimovic or Ianacho? Ibrahimovic. No, no contest at all. If you picked Ianacho over <laughs> Ibrahimovic. Oh, yeah, I'm not a fan of Ibrahimovic, but I'd go Ibrahimovic as well. Uh, Chris Jag- Jagielka or Glenn Johnson? I think Jagielka, actually. I think he's probably more solid. I think Johnson might have had a little bit of it, you know. I think Jagielka. Jack? Yeah, same. Yeah. I like an old-fashioned centre-half, and he scored that screamer at Anfield, didn't he, in the last minute? He did. Uh, yeah, so you... Jack, you're one point ahead. Uh, Jack, company, as in Vincent, or Kante? Oh, that's oh. a hard one, isn't it? That's hard. Kante. Oh. Um, Incredible footballer. There's no one, there's no, there's no other player like him. That's the only way I can pick him. So it's got to be Kante, but company is an incredible centre-half and leader, but Kante, unique. 
I'm going to disagree because I think Vazon Company is one of the best centre-halves that the league has seen. And I think given the trajectory of his career, what he did with City and some of those goals, man, like scored an absolute scream from outside the box. And I just think, and I like Kante. I think Kante is an important player, but I think Company just just edges it. I went Company because it's, it's, a, it's a paper between them. But I think it's because... Because there's no one like Kante, he's in the sort of class of his own. Whereas Company, there's loads like Company, but he's the best of all of them. And he was with them from the beginning all the way through to the first. Jack's not happy. All right, Absolutely then, Jack. Absolutely shocking. Lingard or Livermore? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Is this me or is this Chris? I think this. Oh, it's Chris, sorry, isn't it? That's it's me. Chris. Uh, Lingard or Livermore? <laughs> as much as I want to say Livermore, I think Lingard might be a more talented footballer. Jack? Um, Lingard is undoubtedly the better player, but I feel like uh, there's something that makes me think that ASD has got a Spurs shirt with Livermore on the back. Well, do you know what think... else, though? I just for so everyone knows, as soon as I said Lingard, ASD's face changed. So Jack will have seen that. So I think I'm that's the other thing. I am no, I, I am going to go Livermore. He's going to go Livermore. I'm not going to get a point. And do you have Do you have a Livermore? I feel like you've got a Spurs shirt with Livermore on the back. I don't just have a Livermore shirt. I've got the one after the Champions League, but I've got that shirt. But the one, the European version of that shirt with Livermore, but it's the Europa League version. <laughs> I, I think it's safe to say. Nobody else owns Nobody one of those else shirts. Has I thought he was going to be the heart of our midfield for ages. And also, Joe, who I was going with, knew his knew him and his met brother really, really well. Like, they knew each other's mums and stuff. Uh, I love Livermore. Um, I mean, I love him too. I think he's great. But when we started with Alderweireld or Alexander-Arnold, and you cho- I'm cross now, and you chose Alexander-Arnold, in what universe are we now choosing Livermore over Lingard? Chris, that, that Lampard or Gerard one don't look so bad now, does it? Oh! <laughs> Whose go is it now? Jack. Jesus yeah. Christ. Uh, Joe Ledley or Lanzini? Oh, Joe Ledley, just the Welsh thing, isn't it? Yeah, me too. Ledley, because he's Welsh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what he did for that Welsh team in 2016, you'll never understand. Uh, Chris, Mason or Moranash? Mason. Mason. Yeah, it's got to be one of our own. Always wanted Morales at Spurs, but who knows? Who knows with this quiz, eh? Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) That's why it's good. Uh, Jack Matic or Matter? Um, that's a good one. Matter, lovely player, score great goals, silky. Yeah, Matter. Matic more effective. Oh, Jack's point. He's two ahead now. Sorry, mate. Uh, Chris Navas or Nasri? Navas. Because of who Nasri is. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Navas was like the last of the flying winger, wasn't he? Like really that was, type of player doesn't exist anymore. Um, and he was so simple, but yet so entertaining. Yeah, Navas. He scored yeah. off about five seconds or ten seconds against us once, didn't he? From our own kickoff. Game. It felt like yeah. every single game. Um, Jack, Carl Norton or Mark Noble? Oh, God. Um, 
I don't, you know, well, that's tough. I'm going to go Norton just for the Spurs connection, but I don't mind Mark Noble as for what he is, you know. Chris? Yeah, Norton, not picking Correct. Noble. Yeah, I think he's bang average. Uh, Chris, Otamendi or Ozil? Otamendi. I, I don't want to seem boring here, but I mean, Otamendi, as a neutral, he's a great defender to watch because anything could happen. Um, you can't pick a gooner, so it's got to be Otamendi. Go Ozil. Um, I haven't done very well because you're all choosing the same ones. Uh, this one was hard. Payet or Pickford? Chris. No, Jack. That is a tough one. I'm going to go Payet because that eight, nine months he had with West Ham, he was literally like one of the best players in Europe. Like he was unstoppable. I remember him scoring a free kick against Crystal Palace at Upton Park when it looked, it was at no point was it even remotely on target until the last second it went in the top corner. Yeah. And that spell that he had, he was just, he was untouchable. Yeah, Payet. Oh, yeah. I thought that would be true. Okay. Um, Chris, Ramsey or Rashford? Rashford. For so many reasons, footballing and otherwise, Rashford. I would say I, I would I would be inclined to agree, but then it's the Welsh thing, isn't it? And I feel like... <laughs> it's fine. I, still, go, I, don't, I'll, I don't care if I lose. I'm going to pick Rashford. Ramsey. Actually, it's Ramsey because I just think he's brilliant. And Rashford will, will let you down as well. What? Uh, Yep. He's literally like a national hero. He single-handedly like saved children from starving all through the summer holidays, and you picked Ramsey because he's Welsh. No, that doesn't. You know, books and food don't get me three points, do they? So, Jack, <laughs> just remember, as as the quiz master, you you can take points off people. You know, just, <laughs> I'll take that bonus point off. There you go. Yeah. I never uh, got it in the first place. Yeah. I know. Jack, uh, Rodwell or Rojo? Oh, Christ. Um, Rojo, Rodwell, I've got no time for him for quite a few reasons. So, Wait, which one? Jack Rodwell. Chris? I like Rojo. I always like Rojo. I always like Yeah, Jack, Jack Rodwell was in Everton, Sunderland, that Jack Rodwell. Yeah. Yeah, no. I'm with Jack. I haven't got any time for him either. Both going Rojo. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I went with Rodwell. Well, is there a, a societal reason for not liking him, or is he just you not having him? He signed that. He signed a massive, massive deal at Sunderland, and then it. they were trying to get rid of him when they went down twice, and he just sat on the money. Okay, I'm going to change my answer. So you both get a point because I think you're right. Do I get um, a point for explaining? Oh. Oh. Um, and you might oh. lose. You might lose it for being a knob, um, Chris. <laughs> uh, Rooney or Rose? Rose, I already said that, and I'll stick by it, Rose. Rooney, Premier yeah. best ever player. Point for, you're only two points behind now, Chris. It's Rose. I just, I, you can't, right. you can't, it's for going my team to go, score that goal. No. Yeah. Uh, Jack, Alexis Sanchez or Leroy Sane? Leroy Sane, can't pick a gooner. I, even though I think Sanchez is a better player, like Jack, I can't pick a gooner. Oh, really? I, there was a point where I thought Alexis Sanchez would be the best player in the world. I just thought he'd never get injured. I just thought he'd be the best and he just hasn't been the player. Uh, um, it, it, I chose Sanchez. Uh, who is it now? It is Chris Sissoko or Shakiri? 
Sissoko, 100%. I don't care if the ball's in row Z. Gives it everything. Sissoko. Oh, Musa Sissoko. <laughs> All the same reasons, and I can't do the chant was good. So, Sissoko. I couldn't Sissoko. I just, what a waste of a football show that one. I wasn't a fan of him. Uh, Jack Townsend. No, yeah. Andros Townsend or Kieran Trippier. Who's just broken his foot. Um, Kieran Trippier for me. No, I'll always go Townsend really? for a number of reasons. One, because when he first broke it up, so firstly, for that um, leading the Stand By Me song in the Spurs that youth changing great, room. Secondly, when he first broke into the team and he used to dribble, Monica used to say that we had just got a kitten at the time. That The kitten, when she was playing, reminded her of Andros Townsend running down the wing. And thirdly, because he's half Cypriot, like, I don't see any other Premier League footballers talking about Suvla, which is obviously a barbecue. And um, and also, I his dad is one of my favourite humans. So for all of those reasons, and because he's a Spurs boy through and through, it's got to be Townsend. Please tell me the answer is Trippier. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> I'm happy to stand by. Listen, I, I, I quite enjoy this. I don't mind if I lose because I feel like I've won morally. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to call it Maldini or Marta from now on then. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jack, uh, uh, no, Chris, uh, Vertonghen or Van Dyke? Vertonghen. Every time. Yeah, that's a point back for you, Chris. You're only one behind now after all that. Uh, Jack, Sam Vokes or Jamie Vardy? Sam Vokes, Welsh thing, isn't it? And you can't, yeah, if, you've, if you've picked Jamie Vardy... No, I'll tell you what, I don't care. I would literally lose all my points than vote for Jamie Vardy. I don't care. Sam Vokes for the win. Jamie Vardy needs to do one. It's obviously Sam Vokes. The only goal I've ever cried at was the Sam Vokes to put to go three one up against Belgium. Like I it still makes me get teary did now. Be, did Wales beat Belgium three one? Yeah, we did, yeah. We've actually <laughs> beat them quite a few times. Uh, uh, really like their should, should team. Bring it up every now and then. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh well I just what else isn't seen as one of the things that people go for when they think about diversity? They think about all the all the other branches, but they never think Welsh. So I'm I'm single-handedly bringing it to the table. Uh, Chris, just a stretch out <laughs> Go on. Uh, Chris, uh, Wanyama or Ward Prout? Well. I would have said, like, this is the point where I might have to be pragmatic because my heart says Wanyama, but my head, after what you said earlier about Ward Prowse being like the all round footballer and that we need him in the team, I think I'm going to have to go Ward Prowse. Jack? I'll, I'll make it interesting and I'm going to go for Wanyama. It's Wanyama. I can tell by his face. I can't no, believe it's I'm not. Going it's, it's Ward Prowse. I wasn't a fan of Wanyama. It but is 24 24. How, how were you not a fan of Wanyama? But you were a fan of and Sandra. Because <laughs> Wanyama could pass the ball to someone else in a Spurs shirt. He had biscuits for knees. That's why. He liked spaghetti, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he did like spaghetti. I, I, I liked the man. I just didn't think he was as good as everyone thought he was. Uh, Jack, Winks or Vimmer? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I when I wrote pick, that, I, I thought... I have to pick Harry Winks, surely, even though... The best, bit, I do think the best bit of business that Levy's ever done is getting 15 million pound from Stoke for Kevin Vimmer, and he didn't even kick a ball there. Um, 
Yeah, it winks, surely. Yeah, winks. I'm with I'm with Jack on that one, winks. It feels harsh because I thought Vimmer was okay. He just did a job, but no, you're not having it. Um Chris Claudio Jacob or Ashley Young? Oh, that's a horrible one. Ashley Young. Because I think there were moments when Ashley Young did all right and he did a you know, he won things with man with Manchester United and actually from Aston Villa he was transformational, so Ashley Young. I think I have to agree. I was just looking at the negatives. Young's Young was the diver. Jakob got sent off spitting at a player. So it's like, what's worse? Probably Jakob. Young could bend one in the top corner from 25 yards. Jakob couldn't quite do that. So Young, but I'm sure you've gone Jakob. Actually. I have. I hated Ashley Young. Um, you, have you seen that video where, he, where a bird poos in his mouth? I'll never <laughs> forget that. <laughs> uh, Jack Zabaleta or Zaha? Zabaleta. Chris. Is this the last one? Last one, and then we're going on to the, la- the last question. Okay, because I think it's Zab- I think Zabaleta is a better player, all things considered, than Zaha. But if we're considering we're drawing, I thought we'd better like I'd better disagree with him. But if there's another one, I'm going to go Zabaleta. But you know what the last the last one's Maldini and Rodon, so it's okay. Um, uh, it's Zabaleta, so you are one behind, Chris, but you have got Maldini or Rodon. I'm one behind. I thought we were drawing. You were, and then, Chris, you just got... Oh, did you say Zabaleta? I said Zabaleta. Sorry, so you are drawing. Uh, Chris, Maldini or Rodon? I'm happy to lose this again. I'm not saying Rodon is Maldini's <laughs> Rodon. I'm sorry, I can't do it. It's been the Welsh thing every single question so far, so I'll was stick one. with it some- so we've got a winger and go with Roden. I'm sure there was one where I didn't choose the Welshman. There can't be. No, I don't think there was. <laughs> uh, Jack, you win by point. I mean, really, it's a draw. <laughs> the most but ridiculous it's... <laughs> quiz you will ever play. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Chris, it's your go next week. Yeah, no problem. Good luck topping that. <laughs> I know, right? Brutal. Oh, dear. What a waste. What was your favourite one? Winks or Wimmer? Uh, Ibrahimovic or Ian Acho was my favourite. <laughs> that was a just low point for me. Shambles. Um, and that's just the podcast. Um, I love the recording this on Monday night. It really just sets the week up brilliantly. Um, so um, thanks both as always. Thank you to everybody that has stuck around for nearly an hour and a quarter to listen oh to that. Um, fair play to you. Um, we'll be back in a week's time with review of the brilliant victory against Man City. So until then, remember whatever happens, future's bright, future's lily white. Come on, you Spurs. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football, and I always thought that football was a very important game, but I never realised until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well... They're the finest team in Great Britain, and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. The curve of the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. 
We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2! It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future, what was, what is, what's next. We are Blancheflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do. Tottenham Hall.